Hello, people of the way. Blessings in Jesus. If you have your Bible, please open up to Joshua 23. Joshua 23, we continue our study through the Old Testament, and we have reached fulfillment. Now, remember, if you've been walking with us for a while, from Genesis all the way up until now, Joshua 23, we have reached fulfillment. Promises of God unto Abraham, uh, promises of God unto Isaac, promises to Jacob, uh, whose name was changed to Israel, promises for Israel, promises for Moses, promises for Joshua. Now, we're not just in the promised land. Here in Joshua 23, we are, I mean, we're in the promised land, but we have reached inheritance. And so it's so powerful when we consider this this fullness of reaching promise, but in walking with us for a while, you also see what it took to get here. It's it's a major deal how beautiful, how good God is and how beautiful he is and what he's done. It's 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 wonderful. It's beautiful. But now what? Now what? Now, understand Joshua here, Joshua 23, Joshua, the man Joshua, he's an old man. He's not a spring chicken. He's an old, old guy. Now, he, he's at the end of his life. He's, he's reaching the end. And we are at his final exhortation, final exhortation uh, 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 unto Israel here in Joshua 23. And just like with Moses... Just like with Moses, understand that with teaching comes the doing. How the Lord would speak to Moses, Moses would speak to the people, and now, you know, ball's in your court. The people have a choice to make. Well, the ball was in Moses' court too. It meant the Lord would speak, ball was in Moses' court. Now he chose obedience, and now Moses speaks to the people, and ball's in their court. They have a choice to make. And, you know, Moses died, and now it's Joshua. Same formula. Now remember the people... They they wanted to hear from the Lord. They wanted to hear from the Lord directly. And they said, you know, Moses, we want to hear from the Lord. And, you know, Moses prayed about it. Okay. And here's what you got to do. You know, we have to be clean. And so everybody's clean. And then finally the Lord spoke. And that's when the people, they, no, Moses, do not let the Lord speak to us. Moses, do not let the Lord speak to us. Moses, you speak to the Lord. Let, let the Lord speak to you. And then you tell us what the Lord says. And we will do what you say, Moses. Remember in our study in, in, uh, 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 in Exodus? And it's so powerful when we understand this. And then remember our study in Hebrews, how the Lord speaks to us from his word. You see, it's powerful. When we understand the covenants, it's so powerful because it's like, oh my goodness, Lord, what you have done, Lord. Remember, his works from the beginning, they're done. Now the question is, who's going to walk in those paths? I shouldn't say those paths. Who's going to walk in the path, the narrow way? You see, it's like you and me. If we were to walk on a sidewalk, we're not building the sidewalk. We're, we're the, we didn't construct the sidewalk. We didn't pour the concrete of the sidewalk, but the sidewalk is done. Somebody else built that. Now the question is, we need to walk in the sidewalk. You see? And it's beautiful. And this, that's what the Lord has done. His works were finished from the beginning. Now it's a matter of who among us will walk this narrow path. And the Bible specifically says narrow path. Remember? And so... 
And just like with Moses, we see, you know, now, you know, the Lord says to Moses, Moses says to the people, and, you know, it's, it's, it's the same for the church. Moses, the Lord says to Joshua, Joshua says to the people. Now, the, the, the same comes with the church. Now, with teaching comes doing. And, you know, sometimes that teaching is in the form of a pastor. But don't forget, the Holy Spirit is a teacher. He is our teacher. You know, you and me, we read the Word of God. Now the question is, are we going to do what the Word of God says? You see? And sometimes it's like, well, you know, I read the Word of God, but I don't get it. Well, you need a teacher, you see? And I, I've had these conversations with, you know, baby Christians, uh, uh, toddler Christians, adolescent Christians. It's like, well, you know, I don't understand this. You know, I need to understand. Okay, well, praise the Lord. The Lord has called people to be pastors and teachers and shepherds. The Lord has called people, and evangelists. The Lord has called people to serve him in that capacity to that end. To help you, to help us grow together and mature together. So if you're a new believer or you don't have the depth of understanding, don't feel like you're, you know, any less. I mean, you know, when we look at Philip, you remember our study in the book of Acts in, in chapter 8, you see Philip, the evangelist who has his prophetess daughters, praise be to the Lord. But Philip, you know, Philip didn't, it, it was John and Peter who had the understanding that the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them. Now, does that mean that Philip is less of a Christian than, than, than John and Peter? No. No, different. You know, one body, many parts. The Lord called Philip to be an evangelist. Now, you see like Peter and John, they're more of like an overseer capacity. Where it's like, you know, they come into town and they realize, okay, that, the, you know, you know, uh, you know, you know, Philip is serving the Lord and praise be to the Lord. The Lord calls people, you know, and, you know, some to be evangelists, some, some uh, 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 to be pastors, some to be teachers. And we all have gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit gives his gifts and the love being the greatest gift. But Philip didn't have that understanding of, wow, you know, the Holy Spirit, you know, everybody believes in Jesus, but the Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on them. And Philip didn't have that understanding, but John and Peter did. Does that mean that John and Peter are better? No, not at all. One body, many parts. And in serving the Lord in an overseer capacity, when they, ha when they perceived that the Spirit had not, had not yet fallen, what do they do? They lay hands. And so if you're a believer and it's like, wow, I don't have this depth of understanding. I don't, I don't know this. I don't know that. And maybe you're a brand new believer. Maybe you came to Christ just today. Maybe you came to Christ just last week. Don't, don't feel bad that you're a baby. Don't feel like you're, you know, you're, you're, you're incapable of, you know, doing this and that, you know, because of your youth in Christ. Now, there might be, there's a very real aspect of the inability, inability to do and, you know, perform certain things unto the Lord. But in the course of time, you see, and that's what's so powerful when we're straight up with ourselves and with one another and with each other. It's like, listen, remember the rugby match from our study in, in, in Romans? It's not to say that a mature Christian can be like, oh, you're not mature. You're not awesome. No, no, no. We're, we're all one in Christ. You know, and that's a problem in the church. Sometimes people get puffed up. It's like, wow, I know the Bible like the back of my hand. And then all of a sudden they get puffed up. And they, you know they speak to they speak to the baby Christians. They speak to the youthful Christians like they're babies. You see, 
as opposed to understanding that, yes, there's youth in Christ, but come on, let's grow. Let's grow. And it's powerful. It's beautiful. And you see, leadership matters because leadership for Israel under Moses, beautiful. Leadership for Israel, now some chose Korah, remember? Some chose Korah. Now for them, they're not here anymore. Remember the the earth opened up and swallowed them? Leadership matters. Some people say, oh, you know what? We're going to follow Moses. For them, it was good. Some people say, you know what? We're going to follow Korah. For them, not so good. Because they're not here anymore. You see, the first generation. The, the ones who followed Korah under the first generation. And then at the same time, it's like, okay, Moses died. Now Joshua and leadership matters. Israel under Joshua and the elders, beautiful. You see? And it's so powerful because, you know, it's, you know, under Joshua, beautiful. Under Moses, beautiful. Under Joshua, beautiful. But does Israel stay fine? Does is Israel's stance before the Lord, does it stay fine? Now, sadly, the answer is no. And, you know, these are things that we're going to get into when we open up, when we start studying the book of Judges, which we're going to get to pretty soon. And I say it breaks my heart to say it, but sadly, the answer is no, because, you know, leadership matters. And, you know, we see how God responds, which, you know, when he does respond the way he does respond, it shouldn't be a surprise to any one of us. As we study the Old Testament, as we study the New Testament, and as we continue with our lives together today, it shouldn't come as a surprise. Remember when we studied Deuteronomy uh, 28? It was a long study. Little, you know, in depth, a little bit more intricate than you know the, 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 the than average, so to speak. But even the events of the last days, even the even the judgment of God that's going to befall the earth, you know, it shouldn't come at a surprise at all. You know why? Because that's exactly what the Lord said He would do: blessings for obedience, and then a curse for disobedience. It, the, the Lord is doing exactly exactly what he said he would do you know why because the works were finished that the, the, uh, the, the, they're finished the the, the 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 pavement it's it's already been laid out you know just like the example we gave with the sidewalk that side it's already been laid out that path has already been laid out now the question is who's who among us will walk in that narrow path who among us will walk in that narrow path and that's you and me walking in the way walking in the way of the lord and the word became flesh. And nevertheless, Joshua gives this exhortation to Israel. You know? And so here we are in verse 1. Joshua 23, verse 1. Now it came to pass, a long time after the Lord had given rest to Israel from, their, from all their enemies round about, that Joshua was old, advanced in age. Now, this is so beautiful because, you know, I love the ages that we see in the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. I love the ages that we see from old man Moses to little Samuel. From old man Joshua to little Timothy. And, you know, don't forget middle-aged Chloe, you know. <laughs> I'm assuming she's middle-aged, but, you know, like in the, in the Word of God, we see like, you know, little Timmy. And then we see like, you know, Joshua, he's an old man here in Joshua 23. But don't forget, Joshua was also young at, at one point. Now, do you remember when we started Joshua in chapter 1? And, you know, it was very difficult because I love those promises of the Lord that, yes, be strong and courageous. I love those promises of the Lord. 
But when we look at how the Lord speaks that way and says that to Joshua, you see, the Lord said that to Joshua. And then we kind of hit the rewind button and we go back to Exodus and we see Joshua. You see, it's like, you know, this, this, is, this is a choice that Joshua made long ago. You know, be strong and courageous for I am with you in Joshua 1. But, you know, Joshua was with the Lord. You see, remember when all Israel was defiled? Who wasn't? When all of Israel was defiled, who wasn't? Moses and Joshua, a minority. You see, not the majority. The majority, defiled. Moses and Joshua, not defiled. Clean before the Lord. Remember, only the clean can clean. Only the clean can clean. What happened from that point? Israel had cleansing, had to be cleansed. Only the clean can clean. You see, what about when all Israel, the second generation or of that first generation, when they were instilled with fear? What happened? You see, who, who, when everybody was instilled with fear, with fear, who wasn't? Joshua and Caleb. You see, so we get to Joshua 1 and the Lord says, be strong and courageous for I am with you. But don't forget, Joshua, he was with the Lord long ago. And I love these ages that we see in the Bible because here in verse 1, Joshua's old. He's advanced in age. I mean, you know, in the entire chapter, you know, he's old. But I mean, you know, here in verse 1, he's old, advanced in age. Verse 2, and Joshua called for all Israel, for their elders, for their heads, for their judges, and for their officers, and said to them, I am old, advanced in age. <laughs> you see? I mean, he's straight up with himself. You know, he's not trying to like fake it and pretend he's young. You ever see old people like that? They're like super old, but they try to act like they're 20. You know, you see the guys and they wear their skinny jeans, you know, and they try to act like they're young. And you see the ladies and, they, you know, they try to act they're young. It's like, listen, let's just be yourself in Christ. Remember, I, our, our identity is in Christ. It's so beautiful. To, you know, for, for you and me and even like teenagers, you know, sometimes I have these conversations with teenagers and it's like, you know, they try to fit a mold that, that, that culture dictates. You see, and, you know, middle-aged people, they try to fit a mold that culture dictates old people they try to fit a mold that culture dictates but what about when our identity you and me what about when our identity is in christ you can be you know old young wrinkly non-wrinkly chubby skinny you know color doesn't matter you can be black white pink yellow magenta you could be any color and it's so powerful because our identity is in christ you don't have to you don't have to conform to the dictates of culture it's just the opposite we conform to the image of christ you see and culture is antichrist the world is antichrist and it's gonna get worse and worse and worse and worse and it's so beautiful because Joshua is just straight up. Listen, I'm old, advanced in age. In verse 3, you have seen. These are things that Israel has experienced with their own eyes. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. Now, it's very important to remember formula. Very important to remember formula. Now, do you remember our study in Deuteronomy? You know, it's not because you're awesome. Remember, you know, the Lord says you're going to inherit these lands. And here in Joshua, you know, they're inheriting. I mean, in Joshua 23, the inheritance has happened now. 
But remember, the Lord says to Moses, and Moses says to the people, it's not because you're awesome. It's because of the wickedness of these peoples. Now, they had their time to align with the Lord, but they chose not to. Jethro chose to align with the Lord. Rahab chose to align with the Lord. The mixed bag, the, remember the Gibeonites? The Gibeonites are studied in, 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 you know, in, in the book of Joshua, but several chapters ago. Remember the mixed bag, the Gibeonites? They chose to align with the Lord, but everybody else, they did not. They had ample time. They had plenty of time to align themselves to the Lord. Remember, the Lord made himself known in Egypt. The Lord made himself known in Egypt. And, you know, everybody had opportunity to align themselves with the Lord. The Canaanites, the Moabites, the Jebusites, the Hittites, they had plenty of opportunity. But did 100% do that? No. You see? And it's the same. Just, you know, in, in, in across multiple generations the lord makes himself known uh, you know even you know when we get to the events of the last days the lord's going to make himself known just like he did in egypt the lord is going to make himself known and incrementally people are going to realize like oh my goodness i was wrong remember it's jesus christ who said i tell you these things before they happen so that when they happen you might believe and i've had conversations with non-believers who are believers now non-believers and because of what they see in the culture today, it's like, wow, you know, the world's going crazy. It's like, you know, I know that's what the Bible says. It's going to happen in the last days. The world's going to be crazy town. And not just the world. The church is going to be crazy town. You know, sometimes I you know, have these conversations with the atheists, the non-believers, and even the Satanists. And they're like, you know, I, I hate Christians. You guys are stupid. You guys are crazy. And it's like, okay, tell me why you think we're stupid and crazy. Well, because I watch TBN and, you know, that's crazy. It's like, listen, I agree with you. TBN, Tricking Believers Nightly. It's not biblical Christianity. You see? Biblical Christianity is found in the Word of God. You see? And the Bible even prophesies that the church, you know, the non-believers, they say, yeah, Christians are crazy. Well, fulfillment. Prophetic fulfillment. Because the Bible says the church is going to be crazy town in the last days. What do we see in these last days? The church, it's crazy town. Fulfillment. And so I talk with these non-believers and sometimes even the Satanists. And they're like, yeah, the world is crazy. There's this going on. There's this going on. It's like, well, listen, did you know that this was prophesied to happen? And it's happening? And that Jesus says, you know, that I tell you these things before they happen so that when they happen, you might believe. Well, let me tell you something. They're happening. You see, now, ball's in your court. And then the atheists are like, wow, you know, I've never heard it that way. Satanists even tell, I hate Christians, but you're different. And I love it because it's like, wow, you know, all these opportunities to plant seeds for, for people to come to Christ and grow. But the Lord, he makes himself known incrementally. I mean, when the Lord made himself known in Egypt, like all of Egypt, the, 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 the warriors, the chariots, the mighty warriors, they died. The, the Lord opened up the waters and, you know, they died. The, 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 Israel had safe passage on dry ground. And then Egypt followed, the, the armies of Egypt, the chariots, they followed, and then the Lord killed them. The waters closed. Now, the Lord made himself known, you know, very palpably when that happened. But then don't forget the frogs. It's like, okay, you know, I, 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 I see the frogs, but, you know, I didn't acknowledge the Lord at that time. You see? I mean, do you remember? Like, you look at the frogs. When you see frogs, it's like, okay, they're frogs. But then you see the might of Egypt destroyed. It's like, okay, you know, one is more palpable than the other. I mean, you see like 
the might, the chariots, I mean, the warriors of Egypt. And then all of a sudden, they're dead. Which is sobering. I'm not trying to gloss over that like, okay, they're dead, you know, let's have a picnic. No, they're dead. It's very sobering. Very, very sobering. And the Lord made himself known. Now, anybody who didn't align with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at this, but when that happened, it's like, okay, that the Lord, he is almighty. But then with the frogs, who, who acknowledged the Lord with the frogs? And that's what happens when the Lord makes himself known, you know. And it's so beautiful because do you remember when, you know, when the, uh, uh, the, the, the wise men and the, uh, the religious leaders of Egypt, when they were giving counsel to Pharaoh, uh, they're giving counsel to Pharaoh like, you know, oh, you know, look at, you know, their God can do this, Pharaoh, but, you know, our God can also make the water red. You know, our God, you know, their God can do this. Our God can do this. Their God can do this. Our God can do this. Or our gods, plural, can do this. You know, it was, you know, they, they did not acknowledge the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, they have their other gods. And their other gods do have power. Their other gods do have abilities. But then when the hail came, when the hail came, you know, their gods which do have power, their gods also have limitations. You know why? Because those gods are not almighty. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, he is almighty. You see? And he is a son. And God is not willing that any should perish, but all come to Christ, all come to his son, Jesus Christ. Remember, the Lord says, and God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But at the same time, remember, God so sent his son into the world not to condemn the world, but that the world through him, through Jesus, might be saved. You see? And it's beautiful, the work that the Lord has done. Now, not everybody acknowledges it. Not everybody's a Christian. You see? Not everybody's a Christian. But that door is open. Now, the door isn't open like it was 2,000 years ago. The door isn't open like it was 1,000 years ago. The door isn't open like it was five years ago. The Bible says that there is such a thing called the fullness of the Gentiles. That door of grace, it's closing, you see? Which is why you hear us say from time to time, you know, jump ship, come aboard. Whatever ship you're on, it could be, you know, another religion. It could be a false doctrine. It could be a false teaching. It could be the ways of the world. It could be the ways of your own flesh. It could be the ways of Wicca. It could be the ways of whatever. We say jump ship for a reason. And we say welcome aboard for a reason. Because we want you to jump ship. You see, we want you to jump ship. It's to believe in Jesus Christ and obey Jesus Christ. And together we journey together. And it's so powerful when, you know, when people come to Christ. And that's what's going to happen in the last days. The hardest of heart is going to come to Christ. The hardest of hearts. You might know somebody who just has just the hardest of hearts. But incrementally, as the Lord makes himself known. Their heart, I mean, their heart can go from, you know, uh, oak to pine to stone, but never lose hope because a heart can go from oak to pine and then back to oak to maple 
to balsa and then to jello. We want jello. We want beautiful, beautiful, soft jello. Hearts that are able to to discern the, the holy things of the Lord. That's called the circumcision. Circumcision of the flesh, male only. Circumcision of the heart, male and female. In Christ, there is no male and female. You see? And when you understand the framework of what the Lord has done in each covenant... Remember, Jesus says, Moses wrote of me. It's so beautiful how marvelous of what the Lord has done. What the Lord has done. You see, and that's what Joshua is speaking of here in verse 3. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. You see, and this is why we say, we, we stress Formula, 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 formula. We stress it a lot. Old Testament and New Testament, we stress it a lot, especially when we're in our uh, our studies in the pastoral epistles. Now, you remember in Deuteronomy, you know, it's not because you're awesome. When the, when the Lord says, listen, it's not because you're awesome. It's because of their wickedness. You see? Remember, he says, it's not because you're awesome, because you are a stiff-necked people. You see, the promise of God, the promise of God was to both the first generation and the second generation. But was it effectuated in the first generation? The answer is no. Why? Formula. Second generation? Yes. Why? Formula. And that's why it's of ultra importance to understand formula because it will help you understand the Bible. And it will also help you in your walk with the Lord, in our walk with the Lord, because you'll understand God's promises and what effectuates those promises. I'll give you the answer. Obedience. As Brother James writes of, faith without works is dead. Faith without obedience, belief without obedience is dead. That's what Brother James says. Remember, package deal. It just so happens we study this on Wednesday. Remember the package deal? The number one? You and me, we go get a burger. We say, you know, hey, give me a number one. What is the number one? Are we ordering something singular? No, we're getting the number one, but it's a package deal. We get a burger, fries, and a soda. Faith is a package deal. It's not singular. Faith and obedience, package deal. You see? The promises of God, in the case of Israel, there's first generation, second generation. First generation, you see, the formula wasn't right. Why? Because when God says, go into Canaan, go into Canaan and fight. Remember, and the recon team, they reported like, you know, well, these guys are big. These guys are massive. You know, we can't fight these guys. You know, one guy is going to kill a hundred of us. You know, these guys are giants and they were afraid and then, you know, the Lord spoke to Moses and then Moses says, okay, you guys, because you didn't, because you disobeyed the Lord and you didn't do what he said, because of that, because you were afraid, not of the Lord, but of, of the Canaanites. Now, this 11 day journey, it's going to be 40 years. Whoa. And then to top it off, you know, it's, instead of 11 days, it's going to be 40 years. So when the children of Israel, when they heard that the 11 days is now turning into 40 years, then they said, okay, okay, we're, we're going to do it now. We're going to go into Canaan. You see, because it's, it's almost like cherry picking because it's like, you know, we're afraid of the Canaanites, but like we're more afraid of the 40 years, you know, instead of 11 days, we're more afraid of the 40 years. So now we'll go. But then the Lord told Moses, Moses, tell them not to go. Tell them not to go. 
Why? Because of the formula. Did the Lord change his mind? No, the people changed their heart. Because the command to go into Canaan and fight Canaan, that was when the formula was right. But when the people changed the formula, all of a sudden, the effectuation of promise, it didn't work anymore. You see? Because now we got to get the hearts right. Instead of the hearts being changed and altered, now when they need to be changed back into something that aligns with the Lord. Just like, you remember in our previous studies how we mentioned like, you know, the radio station, you have to, in order to be on the right frequency, you had, the dial has to be at the right exact sp spot on a radio dial, the old school radio, not, not digital. You know, kids today, they're so spoiled, not digital, but the old school radio dial. So that the needle has to be at the exact, exact point in order to hear the, the right frequency. The same applies to you and me. We have to be on the right frequency. And that's having ears to hear and eyes to see and understand what the Word of God says. But what happens when that needle moves and we can no longer hear, we can no longer be on that right, right frequency, and that needle moves through carnality. The carnal nature, the works of the flesh. That's when the needle moves. We don't want that needle to move. We want that needle to be on the exact right frequency. But then the works of the flesh, it alters that needle to where it moves, you know, it moves more to the left, it moves more to the right. But in either direction, it's like, wow, you know what? We need to be on the right frequency. And that's what Israel did. You see? All up until the point where, you know, the Lord says, okay, go into Canaan. They're on the right frequency. And then the recon team comes back and they say, whoa, those Canaanites, they're huge. And then fear set in. And that frequency, it started to change. It started to change. It started to change. And then the Lord says, okay, listen, you know, now, you know, Moses. Moses was on the right frequency. And now the Lord says to Moses, hey, Moses, tell the people, you know, that 11 days, now it's 40 years. And the people didn't like the 40 years. So they say, you know what? Now we're going to Canaan. And then the Lord says, no, 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 don't go. Moses, tell the people don't go. Because they're not on the right frequency. In order to go and win, you got to be on the right frequency. And they weren't on the right frequency. You see? And so Moses says, no, you know, thus said the Lord, don't go. And the people went. And what happens? Casualties. They took casualties. You see? And that's what's so beautiful when you understand formula. It's very important. I mean, there's a formula for pastors so that you and I, we can know what to look for in a pastor to lead. You know, when the Lord gives us the blueprints for a pastor, we know, you know, who is it that's on that frequency so that we know, okay, like, like you know, the Bible says, you know, submit to your pastors, submit to your overseers because they watch out for your souls. But the Bible gives very, very specific on qualifications for a pastor, qualifications for an elder, qualifications for an overseer. Very, very specific. You see? And the Lord teaches us. This is what you look for. These are the qualifications. When you see this qualification, that's a guy who's on my frequency. That's a guy who's on my frequency. Just like, you know, you have, you know, people in the word of God, male and female, who are on the right frequency. They have eyes to see and ears to hear. Now, in terms of leadership, coverings always male. Pastors always male. You see?
But the effectuation of promises, that's why we have to understand formula because, you know, there's formula for pastors, what to look for, but there's formula for us. There's formula for living righteously, living in a manner that is pleasing to the Lord, to honor the Lord. There's a formula for that. Whether or not it applies to any of us, each individual person has a choice to make for himself or a choice to make for herself. Every single person. And the Lord knows those who are his. And so we see here in verse 3, you know, Joshua, old man Joshua, he's just reminding them. You have seen all that the Lord your God has done to all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he who has fought for you. In verse 4, see, I have divided you by lot, these nations that remain, to be inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan. With all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. You know, it's like out west, the Mediterranean Sea. That's the western border of Israel. And we see in verse 5, And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land as the Lord your God promised you. Now, here in verse 5, when, when Joshua is telling them that the Lord your God will expel them from, from, from before you and drive them out of your sight. You see, were they 100% driven out? Were, they, were these peoples, were they 100% driven out? The answer is no. There were people that remained and we'll see how they present problems for Israel. Now, it's the same for us today. The same for us today. Is sin and the carnal nature 100% driven out of us? The answer is no. Sin and the carnal nature is not 100% driven out of us. It is not. You see, when we come to Christ, when a person, a non-believer, when a non-believer comes to Christ, they are 0% righteous. 0% righteous. Remember, it is by grace we have been saved, lest anyone should boast. It just so happens we studied that on Sunday. It is by grace we have been saved, you know, justified by faith lest anyone should boast. You and me, before we were Christians, we came to Jesus Christ at 0% righteousness. We're saved by grace. But once we're in Christ, once we believe in Jesus, and once we abide in Jesus, do we stay at 0%? And this is a big problem because a lot of Christians don't understand this. A lot of Christians don't understand. We come to Christ at 0% righteous. You see? But in Christ, abiding in Christ, do we stay at 0%? A lot of people do. But the answer is no. The biblical answer is no. We move on to perfection. So we come to Jesus Christ at 0% righteousness. Remember, it's by grace we have been saved. We don't come to Jesus Christ. Our righteousness is filthy rags before the Lord. No, no one is righteous. No, not one. That's what the Bible says. We come to Christ at 0%. But once we're in, once a person believes in Jesus and is abiding in Jesus, is it still 0%? The answer is no. Because when the saint moves on to perfection, you know, baby Christian, now 10% righteous. Toddler Christian, now 20% righteous. Teenager Christian, 30% righteous. Mature Christian, 40, 50% righteous. You know, even more mature, 60, 70% righteous, deadly, 80, 90% righteous. You see, 
And that righteousness, it's not righteousness of our own. It's the righteousness of Lord. It is Christ in us, Christ in the vessel. Remember, Jesus says, abide in me, no period. Abide in me and I in you. Death is where the saint reaches 100%. You see? Death is when the saint reaches 100% righteous. You see? And that's a big problem today because many saints stay below 20%. Many saints stay at 0 to 20%. Oh, we're not saved by works. We're not saved by works. And that biblical truth that, yes, we're not saved by works, has been misconstrued. It has been taught wrongly. It has been misunderstood. And people use it. It has become an excuse for having no works. Because the Bible does say we're not saved by works. But the Bible does say we are saved for works. You see? We come to Jesus at 0%, lest anyone should boast. You see, baby Christian, you know, 10%. Still a baby toddler, you know, like, you know, 20%. And as you grow, as you mature, as you become deadly, you're, you know, you start to reach, you know, 80, 90% righteous. And that righteous is not of our own. It is Christ in us. Remember Paul? He says, it is no longer I who live. He said, I am crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. He's like at 90% righteous. He's, you know, I'm, he's talking, he, he writes a letter to Timothy. You know, my life is being pour, poured out as a drink offering. He's like at 95% righteous. He gets his head chopped off. Boom, 100%. Paradise. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. You see? That's why we stress formula. So that you and me, we can understand Remember, it just so happens we study this on Sunday. It just so happens. It just so happens. Now the Bible says we're not saved by works, but we're saved for works. We'll put it another way. We come to Jesus at 0% righteous, but do we stay there? You see? The answer is no. We move and journey to 99.9% righteous. We reach 100%, we'll be dead. You see, 100% is not achieved while in these earth suits we presently wear. 100% is achieved when we die. Sleep is what the Bible says. Don't forget there is a crown with your name on it. It's in paradise. But the crown is there. Satan, he doesn't want you to have it. God does. There is a crown with your name on it. Satan doesn't want you to have it, but God wants you to have it. Now, the ball's in your court. Ball's in your court, straight up. You see, and what's so beautiful is that when Joshua is saying this to the children of Israel, notice, you know, these, all this time, all this time, like in, 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 you know, just kind of like a reminder, reminder, old man Joshua, the, what we're studying now, I mean, you see parallels of what Moses says, parallels of what Peter says, parallels of what Jeremiah says, parallels of what Paul says, parallels, 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 parallels all throughout the Bible. You know why? Same Lord, same Lord, same spirit, different time, but same Lord. What is time to the Lord? Where a thousand years is like a day and a day is like a thousand years. What is time to the Lord? You see, his works were finished. 
Now, we just have to walk in them. The old paths, just as Jeremiah says. You see? And so we continue, like in, 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 uh, uh, in uh, verse 4, he says, You know, see, I have divided you by lot these nations that remain to be inheritance for your tribes from the Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off as far as the great sea westward. Verse 5, And the Lord your God will expel them from before you and drive them out of your sight. So you shall possess their land. As the Lord your God promised you. You see, these promises, these promises were given to the first generation. But there was disobedience with the first generation. You see? Disobedience with the first generation. Now you see obedience with the second generation. And look where we're at. Promised land. Now we always say, you know, observe Israel according to the flesh. Because, you know, in this promised land... Does it always remain so? Does it always remain so? When we see how, you know, when, 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 when you know, the, these peoples that were driven out, were they 100% driven out? No. No, but it, it's the same with us. You know, the, 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 are we 100% spiritual? No. We still battle with the flesh. We still wrestle with the flesh. The problem is, is that a lot of people, a lot of Christians, I shouldn't say a lot of people, a lot of Christians, a lot of saints, wrestle with the flesh at 20%, 20% righteous or 5% righteous or 0% righteous. But when you move on to perfection, you know, you're still going to wrestle with the flesh at 80% righteous and 90% righteous. It's just going to be a lot different. The problems that you have in the flesh, as you grow and mature in Christ, the problems that you have... With the flesh and the carnal nature, if you're 90%, it's going to be different than if you were at 5%. You see, we're at 5%, 10%. That's where you have like the sex and the drugs and the alcohol. You see, you come to Christ at 0%. But the problem happens when Christians stay at 0% or they stay at 5% or they stay at 10%. You know what that's called? Arrested development. That's what happened in Corinth because they didn't have good teachers. They did not have good teachers. That's where Paul says, you know, you have 10,000 teachers but one father. 10,000 teachers but one father. So let's picture that. 10,000 teachers and everybody's at 5% righteous, except for Chloe and those in her household. You say 10,000 teachers and all we got is 5%? 10,000 teachers, you think, okay, we, we, we got to be at 90% minimum. But no, that wasn't the case. You know why? Defunctness. Defunctness. How does defunctness happen? Now we're talking about shepherds. How does defunctness happen with the shepherds? Well, we see that in Acts 20. We see that in Acts 20, how shepherds kind of, uh, you know, we just studied that on Sunday. Where, don't forget, shepherds can become wolves. And where you see defunctness, there's always the threat of the wolf. I mean, where you see defunctness, that, that's, that's already the threat of apostasy see and when the blind follow the blind both fall into a ditch and that's what happened in Corinth the defunct remember only the clean can clean you know we stress all these things sometimes you know yeah I, I hear like comments from people people reach out to me they're like well you always say this you always say this you always say this I know I know 
for a reason. You know how, you know, Paul says, you know, it's repetition and for you it is good. There's beauty behind repetition, 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 repetition. You know why? Muscle memory. Muscle memory. And I speak of spiritual muscles. Muscle memory. I mean, have you ever seen like a, like a, 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 a somebody who's skilled in some task, whatever skill it is, and they can do it with their eyes closed? You know why? Repetition, 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 repetition. It's like muscle memory. Same thing applies to you and me. Spiritual muscle. You see? And so there's promises that God has, but understand there is an effectuation of those promises. And in verse 6, we see, therefore, be very courageous. You see, very courageous. Be courageous for what? To fight? Be courageous for what? To be a mighty warrior? Now, the answer is no. Now, I know that sounds like a shocker. You know, Joshua was saying, be courageous. It's like, wait, he doesn't say be courageous. He says, be very courageous. But is it to fight? Is it to be a mighty warrior? And I say unto you, the answer is no. You know why? Because look at what he says here. He says, therefore, be very courageous to keep and to do. To keep and to do. I'll say it again. Be very courageous to keep and to do. All that is written in the book of the law of Moses lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left you see it's not that we can't it's not that we can't be a fighter it's not that we can't be a warrior it's not that we can't be a mighty warrior but how how that's the key how is it that we fight how is it that we become warriors how is it that we become mighty warriors is it my strength is it your strength the answer is no. It's God's strength. With you and me, it's our weakness. You remember Paul, you know, in my weakness, I am stronger. Because he knows, he knows formula. He knows all about formula. He knows it's God's strength. And he says, for when I am weak, I am strong. I love that. Be courageous. You know, a lot of times people think, oh, I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior. I'm a warrior. But, you know, spiritually speaking, warriors, they can have noodle arms. They don't have to have the big muscles, you know. No, they can have little noodle arms. But yet mighty. Why? Because their strength is the Lord. You see? And so we see this when this exhortation of old man Joshua be very courageous. But it's not, you know, go go to the gym, work out so you can be strong. You know, go to you go 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 go. Uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, all these things apply to the, uh, you know, you know, go work out and be strong and do all these things. So be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. You see. Now keep in mind now, a little warning here. This is where the Hebrew Roots movement is very dangerous. Here in other areas, and you know, just flat out dangerous. If you're in Hebrew Roots, I say unto you, come out of her, my people. But this is where Hebrew Roots is very dangerous because verse 6 says, do all this written, written in the law of Moses. Now, a young believer or someone without understanding can be seduced into the law. That's exactly what happened to the Galatian saints. They were seduced into the law. Because listen, if you're a baby Christian and you hear the exhortation, you know, that we 
do what the word of God says and you're a baby Christian and you're reading Joshua and you read verse six, you know, be very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses as you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. Now, if you're a baby Christian, you're like, okay, I'm going to keep and do as it is written in the book of the law of Moses. Because a baby Christian or a Christian without understanding would say, okay, that's what the Bible says, so I'm going to do the book of the law of Moses. But when you understand the covenants, when you understand the fullness of Genesis to Revelation, when you understand the covenants and the rules of engagement within the covenants, when you understand the promise, the promise given not to Moses, the promise given to Abraham, when you understand the priesthood before the law of circumcision, and I speak of the order of Melchizedek, then you realize that when Jesus says, you know, Moses wrote of me, and you understand the order, remember, until the seed, remember our study in Galatians, until the seed? That's why a lot of young Christians, or Christians without understanding, they get seduced into the Hebrew roots movement. Because after all, man, verse 6, be be very courageous to keep and do, keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. And sometimes Christians dutifully, dutifully, and through their own piety, they say, okay, you know, the Bible says be courageous to keep and to do the book of the law of Moses. So therefore, that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to observe the Sabbath, the feast, the festivals, and all these things. And what does Paul say? When the Galatians were doing that, he says, I marvel that you're turning away so soon from Jesus. That's another gospel. It's not the gospel of Jesus. He says, if we or if angels or we, if anyone teaches another gospel, let that person be anathema. You see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not a doorway into the law. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the doorway into the fulfillment of the law. And Moses wrote about him. His name is Jesus. Fulfillment of promise. You see, and if you're a baby Christian or without understanding, don't feel like, don't feel bad about it. Don't feel bad like, you know, oh my goodness, I'm a baby. You know, what can I do? What can I do? No, listen, I mean, Babies, in the course of time, what do they do? They're no longer babies. They grow. And that's what can happen in the life of a Christian. Now, there's a big problem, too, when Christians, they think they're mature. They think they can engage in spiritual warfare. But they're going to lose. Why? Formula. Because to engage in spiritual warfare in the Hebrew Roots Movement, you're absolutely going to lose. You know why? Because there's no abiding in Christ. It's abiding in the law. And in the law is death. You cannot fight spiritual warfare in Hebrew. Well, I should put it another way. You can't fight spiritual warfare and win and be victorious in the Hebrew Roots Movement. Because you're going to lose. I mean, the loss is already there. Why? Because that person is outside of Christ. You see? And so we see here in verse 7, you know, it's very important when abide in Christ. Abide in Christ. Abide in the fulfillment of the law. Abide in the fulfillment of promise. In verse 7, and lest you go among these nations. Notice, 
in verse 6, lest you turn aside from it to the right hand or to the left. And, verse 7, lest you go among these nations, these who remain among you. You shall not make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause anyone to swear by them. You shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. Now, I don't want to depress anybody. I don't want any anybody to be sad. But there are some sad aspects of what we read in the Bible and sad aspects of what we experience in the church among Christians. This bowing down to other gods. This is exactly what we see in Israel when Joshua and the elders die. And we're almost at the point of Joshua and the elders dying because they're old now. Now the positions get filled. You know, there's a, there's a, 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 a void of these leadership positions. And I say leadership positions, kind of, it pains me to say that because it's not a position, but I mean, they, they get filled. But remember, leadership matters. I mean, look at the formula of Moses. Look at the formula of Joshua. Look at the formula of, uh, of, of Phineas. Look at the formula of these vessels that the Lord uses, these, the formula of Caleb. You see, look, when you understand formula, it's like, wow, you know, they were safe. When all Israel was defiled, when the formula was right in Moses and Joshua, by their own choosing, they were okay. They were safe. When all Israel was defiled, they were safe. They were clean. And remember, only the clean can clean. Only the clean can clean. There's a lot of repetition in our studies. It helps us. It helps you to grow, to mature, and then, you know, next level, to become deadly, the good deadly. You see? Remember the, the, the formula that we see in Moses, the formula that we see in Joshua? What about the formula we see in Paul? The formula we see in Chloe? The formula we see in Titus? Remember our study in the pastoral epistles? Now, I can say, like, you know, this is, you know, we, we see Israel, they go after other gods when Joshua and, and the elders die. And I could say, you know, you know, we're, we're going to see it happen and we will see it happen. But we've already seen it happen. Remember our study in, in Balaam and Balak, how Balak got Israel to, to uh, how, how he defeated Israel. He learned how to defeat Israel from the council of Balaam. He didn't send the warriors down. He sent the women down. Israel became defiled through their sexual activities. And then the women, they say, well, okay, now let's, let's, let's worship Baal. Come on, guys, let's worship Baal. And what did the men do? Okay, hook, line, and sinker. Satan is a fisherman too. You say, oh my goodness, that's terrible. Israel was bowing down and worshiping Baal. Yes, it's terrible. Yes. It's one thing to know it happened. But it's another thing to know how it happened, why it happened, when it happened. Not for the sake of knowledge. I mean, it's good to have that knowledge. But once a person knows how it happened, why it happened, when it happened, and to understand and have that knowledge, not for the sake of knowledge, but for the sake of understanding and equipping so that you and me can make choices and learn to make choices that honor the Lord.
that honor the Lord. Remember our study in Romans? How we looked at walking according to the flesh and walking according to the spirit? You see? Walking uh, walking according to the spirit. That's a learned thing. And that's what's so beautiful about, you know, the grace and the mercy of our Lord. Because any moment in life, in time, in our walks with the Lord, that you realize like, oh my goodness, Lord, I'm not, I'm not honoring you. In my choices, in my life, in, I'm not honoring you. You know what you do? Repent. Repent. You see? Remember, 0 to 99.9%. We come to Jesus with 0% righteousness. But do we stay at 0% righteousness? No. Because when you and me abide in Christ, we're no longer at... We, when a person is abiding in Christ and Christ in them, Christ in you, it's impossible to stay at 0%. I say it's impossible to stay at 0%, but ball's in your court. Even though some Christians stay at 0%, some Christians stay at 1%, 2%, 3%. That's where you see the defunct. That's where you see no victory. You see? A lot of times people, Christians will say like, well, you know, uh, I'm under satanic attack. You know, Satan is attacking me. And you like talk with them, you know? It's like, well, listen, you know, we had this long talk and this conversation and I don't really see the handiwork of Satan. I see a whole lot of bad choices. But I don't see the handiwork of Satan. I see a lot of bad choices. You see? And Joshua, when he said, you know, old man Joshua. And what I love, you know, these are, these are things that Joshua himself applied in his own life. You see? Remember when we get on in Joshua 1? And I love Joshua 1, and it was, the, the, what I didn't like about Joshua 1 is having to express caution. Because I want every single one of us to be strong and courageous in the Lord. I want every single one of us to know that, yes, the Lord is with us. And when the Lord said that to Joshua... We hit the rewind button and we see Joshua who himself applied holiness and righteousness to his own life long ago. When all Israel was defiled, he wasn't. When all Israel was afraid, he wasn't. He feared the Lord. You see, he made his choice. And Joshua in this exhortation, old man Joshua, he's saying these things by experience. These are things that choices that he's made in his own life. And speaking of idolatry, when he says in verse 7, you shall not serve them, nor bow down to them. In verse 8, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God. Hold fast. In the Hebrew, it's to cling, to cleave, and to abide. You see, an Old Testament example of abide. I love it. When Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, you know, like little, little bells should be ringing in the, 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 the like the Pharisees' ears, the scribes, the Sadducees, the, 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 the Pharisees, little bells should be ringing like, wow, you know, he's, he's really, he's really going old school. Like he's, he's referring like way in the, like the, the, the scrolls in synagogue that, that, you know, that are collecting dust. He's referring to, you know, the, the, this, 
you know, no disrespect to the Lord, but you know, he he claimed to be the Messiah. Jesus claimed to be the Messiah, and from the Pharisees' perspective, the Sadducees, the scribes, they can say, you know, this man he's claiming to be the Messiah, but is he is he the Messiah? Because he's referring to these things that you know, these he he's referring to things that are like like old school like in like in the scrolls that nobody touches and the scrolls that have become forgotten i mean i i, I wonder like the, the 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 young pharisees i wonder if the young pharisees even picked up on it maybe the older pharisees picked up on it you see paul who was a pharisee of pharisees you see and he was honoring the lord before he came to christ he was honoring the Lord in an old covenant, you see, and bad formula. Because in honoring the Lord in an old covenant, post seed, before seed, it would have been fine. Post seed, not fine. Because the fulfillment of the law says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? You see? And so the Pharisees, to hear Jesus speak, I wonder if the older ones were, you know, like, wow, he's 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 really he's really going deep. He's really going deep. This man who claims to be the Messiah. You see? And they can go back to synagogue and open up the scrolls and, you know, like, you know, and, and, and read and realize like, okay, this guy, who, this man who claims to be the Messiah says X, Y, Z and one, two, three. And we open up this scroll and that scroll and this scroll and sure enough, A, B, Z and one, two, three. And come to the conclusion he claims to be the, be the Messiah. And you know what? He is the Messiah. You see, in Joshua here, he's saying, you know, don't bow down to these idols. In verse 8, he says, but you shall hold fast to the Lord your God as you have done to this day. As you have done to this day. You see, obedience, it's a beautiful thing. Pleasing unto the Lord as a sweet aroma. Remember the challenge that we posed when we looked at Leviticus? You know, start thinking of your lives as an aroma to the Lord. And what aroma do you want to be before the Lord? Do you want to be a sweet aroma to the Lord? Or do you want to be like, you know, like a nasty smell before the Lord? You see, balls in your court. Balls in my court. Balls in our court. Israel's obedience is directly impacted by leadership. Under Moses, good. Under Joshua, good. The elders, good. Well, you know, the elders with Joshua. Leadership matters. But just... Any warm body to fill the role of leadership? No. We saw how, I mean, we, if you read the account, you know, Saul, we see how that goes with Saul before David. We see how that goes with Saul. You know, yeah, he filled the position, but bad formula. Bad formula. And you see how the formula got worse and worse and worse in the case of Saul. Even with David, you know, the formula was beautiful. But then it went south. You see, and the Lord responds to righteousness. The Lord responds to wickedness. And just as the case with David, the Lord responds to repentance. Repentance. Remember when David, you know, when Nathan, you know, David says, I would kill that guy. And then Nathan, the prophet, David, you are that man. Whoa. 
You are that man, David. And what happened? David repented. He repented. He was right with the Lord. With repentance. He was right with the Lord. But he still had to reap what he had sown. You see? Formula. Old Testament formula. New Testament formula. Today formula. Don't forget, the Lord is the one who leaked the pastoral epistles. So that we can know, okay, this is the right formula. It's okay to submit to this guy. This this guy, this lady, bad formula. Do not submit. You see? Women pastors, unbiblical. Women elders, unbiblical. The question might be posed, well, you know, if if if, if women pastors and you know if women pastors and women elders is unbiblical, why do we see it everywhere? Bingo. That's the point. Bad formula. You see? Oh, but there has to be a council of elders. There has to be a council of elders. Listen, I agree. 100%. I agree. But I have a question. Where in the world are they? Where in the world are they? You look at the pastors and elders that we have today. And look at the mess that they've made. I'll ask the question again. Where are they? I mean... Prophetically speaking, judgment comes first to the house of God. Prophetically speaking, there is the great falling away. Prophetically speaking, there is a strong delusion that is already happening inside the church. You see, prophetically speaking, there are seven churches Five churches are told to repent. Two are okay. Two have good pastors. Five are told to repent. Return to their first love. Prophetically speaking, there are ten virgins, but five are foolish. And yet we have an abundance of pastors, an abundance of elders. You see, you know what that tells me? There's a whole lot of crazy town. A whole lot of crazy town. Exactly, exactly what the Bible says. Exactly. There's a whole lot of defunct going on. You see? It's revealed. It's revealed. And so, you know, here in verse 9, Joshua, old man Joshua, continuing, he says, For the Lord, the Lord has driven them out from before you. Great and strong nations, but as for you, no one has been able to stand you. No one has been able to stand against you to this day. You see, I love this. To this day, Joshua says, to this day, no one has been able to stand against you. Praise the Lord. But I have a question. What about tomorrow? Straight up, what about tomorrow? Because when we get to the book of Judges, you're going to see that tomorrow they fall. Tomorrow there's defeat. But the defeat that they suffer, it's a result of disobedience. It's a result of forgetting God. It's a result of worshiping Baal. It's a result of idolatry. And when you understand, remember our study in Deuteronomy 28? 
the Lord is just doing exactly what he said he would do. You see? He says in verse 10, One man of you shall chase a thousand. Remember, in verse 6, in verse 6, be, be very courageous to keep and do. Now, the mighty warrior aspect. I mean, so in verse 6, be very courageous to keep and to do. Joshua doesn't say be very courageous to work out. Be very courageous to go to the gym and pump iron. Be very courageous to, you know, be ninjas. Be very courageous to, you know, be samurai. No, he doesn't say that. He says be very courageous to keep and do. And then you get to verse 10. One man shall chase a thousand. You see? That's what God has done inside of the vessel. I mean, look at, I mean, we're going to get to passages like, you know, like, you know, like David, you know, David's killed his, you know, his tens of thousands, you know? And it's so, look at like, when I became a Christian for the, this is like 25 years ago, I became a Christian. I was so mad when I read Acts. I was so angry. I was so mad when I read Acts and I read the account of Stephen. I was mad. Incensed. You know why? I thought he was the biggest weakling. I, you know, number one, not just Stephen, but I thought Stephen was the biggest weakling. And I thought Stephen and his friends, it's like, well, where are the Christians? Here, he, he's, he's getting stoned and he's not going to fight back. He's about to get stoned and the other Christians, they're not going to come to his rescue and, you know, throw stones back. They're not going to do like, you know, rescue him and, and you know, I was mad. But in the course of time, in the course of time, as I reckoned the old man dead, as I reckoned the old nature dead, I started to realize, oh my goodness, Stephen, beautiful, 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 beautiful Stephen. I am so in love with him. He is among the mightiest warriors. The mightiest warriors. You see? That's the work of the Lord. So we can be very courageous. Very courageous, you know, to be warriors. No, let's let's put that on the back burner. Let's be very courageous to keep and do. What the word of the Lord says. Old Testament, New Testament. Now, we abide in the new covenant. But when I say Old Testament, is to have this understanding and learn about the nature and character of our Lord and the goodness of what he has done. The old interprets the new. The new interprets the old. I mean, you, you hear Jesus when he speaks to the Pharisees, when he says, Moses wrote about me. If you're a new believer and you listen, you, 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 you read the account of Jesus saying, Moses wrote about me. I mean, you read passages where, you know, the, the, the writers say, you know, Moses preached the gospel. And it's like, well, how, how could he preach the gospel? Gospels in, you know, the book of Matthew, you know, the book of John and, and Mark and Luke. And 
How could Moses preach the gospel? But then if you go back and you study Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Exodus, you study those books with eyes to see and ears to hear, you can see, oh my goodness, Moses was absolutely preaching the gospel because the gospel points to Jesus, or the, the gospel that he, he preached points to Jesus Christ. You see? It's beautiful. Now you hear us say, put the warrior aspect on the back burner. Well, how do we become warriors? We obey the word of God, which became flesh. You see? That's how we become mighty warriors. It's the work of the Lord inside of you. The work of the Lord inside of me. Let us together yield to him. Let us together yield to the Lord and yield to him and let him do that work inside of us. So you see in verse 10, one, of man, one man of you shall chase a thousand. I wonder if there were, you know, people in the audience, I say audience, but like of Israel, hearing old man Joshua, like, wow, you know, just one of us is going to chase a thousand. Whoa, that's so cool. Awesome. And look what he says here in verse 10. One man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. And I wonder if there's anybody in the crowd, anybody in the audience, anybody of Israel who just starts to think like, wow, you know what? I'm going to be a warrior. I'm going to chase, chase a thousand. And, you know, the Lord, he's, he's, he's going to fight for me. And he promises that he's going to fight for me. But then they forget to be strong and courageous to keep and do. Yeah, I mean, I'm the first to admit the promises of God are beautiful. The promises of God, I mean, like, like who, who doesn't want the promises of God? They're beautiful. But there are effectuators for the promises of God. I mean, you read verse 10, one man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. It's like, boom, I can take that to the bank. But then, wait a second. One mindset could be like, wow, I can take that to the bank. You know, like, you know the, the, the Lord will fight for me. He's, he's promised me that he'll fight for me. And, and, and I'll, I'll chase a thousand. And that's a promise of the Lord. Wow, that's that's awesome. Okay, yes, it's good. Yes, it's a promise of the Lord. But where is obedience? Where is obedience? See, the Lord says what he promises to do. The question is the, the effectuation, effectuation of those promises. Am I walking in that? Are you walking in that? You ever hear a Christian say, oh, I am crucified with Christ. But then you're kind of like scratching your head like, well, how come? You know, how come you're still on drugs? How come you're still on doing the crack? I mean, you've been a, a, a Christian. You tell me you've been a Christian for 10 years, five plus years, and you're still on crack. You're still on the sex. You're still on the alcohol. You're still, you know, doing the Ouija boards, the crystals, the chakras, your yoga, your hot yoga. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. You see? And the promises of the Lord are beautiful, yes. But there's an effectuation. I mean, we're we're seeing, okay, like in verse 10, 
One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God is he who fights for you, as he promised you. One might say, okay, we'll take it to the bank. You know, it's a promise of the Lord. And yes, it's a promise of the Lord. But what happens in Judges? It's, it's like, wait a second. How come we don't see this in Judges? I mean, based on verse 10 here, we should see victory upon victory upon victory upon victory upon victory. We shouldn't see anything bleak from here on out because after all, it's the Lord who's making the promise. I mean, if one of us shall chase a thousand and the Lord fights for us, we shouldn't see anything bleak in the Old Testament. We should see victory upon victory upon victory upon victory because verse 10 says he, the Lord promises. So why is it that we don't see that from here on out? Why is it that we don't see that? And when you understand formula, you know exactly why we don't see that. You know exactly why we don't see that. You see? It's powerful. Everything hinges on obedience. Everything hinges on obedience. In the Old Testament, God says to the prophets, these people say they love me, but they disobey me. Jesus says, if you love me, follow me, obey me. Hebrews, we just studied this on Sunday. Salvation to those who obey. Oh, but that's workspace. That's workspace. We're not talking about, you know, like uh, uh, coming to Christ. That's zero percent. We're talking about once a person is abiding in Christ and Christ in them. Are we to stay at zero percent? No. We're to move towards, you know, five percent, ten percent, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty, sixty, eighty, ninety, ninety-nine point nine, and then boom, we die. That's a hundred. Move on to perfection. You see? It, the, the, verse ten is such a beautiful verse. And it's such a beautiful promise. But the effectuation of those promises, it depends on the formula. When the formula is off, there are no victories. It's the exact opposite. It's defeat. You see, and Satan. I mean, you hear us say, you know, Jeremiah knows all about formula. Paul knows all about formula. Chloe knows all about formula. Priscilla, Lydia, they know all about formula. Don't forget Satan does too. He knows a lot about formula. See? He knows all about formula and, you know, he, he creates, he attempts to create the disconnect, the effectuation of promises. That's what Satan does. To seduce. And where you don't see, where the formula is off and you don't see obedience unto the Lord, what do you see? You see defeat. And then Satan capitalizes on that. I mean, look at the world today. Have you ever talked with a non-believer? And the non-believer says, I want nothing to do with Christianity. The non-believer says, I want nothing to do with Christianity. And you just, you know, well, why? Why is it that you're so adamantly against Christianity? 
because you stupid Christians, you know, I, I, I turn on TBN and I see all the, you know, the, uh, the, the, the makeup and, you know, the fake eyelashes and, you know, the, the guy, he like waves his hand at like, you know, 10, the 10 rows and the 10, 10 rows in the audience, they fall on their face and they fall on, it's like, that's crazy. And then they start to explain like, you know, oh, you know, I grew up in the church and I was molested by the youth pastor and all this. And I had to memorize the catechisms. And then after that, you know, he started to molest me and all these things. And, you know, what's so beautiful is when these non-believers, when they start to open up to you and they start to feel comfortable in explaining, well, this is why I want nothing to do with Christianity. It's beautiful that they open up. And, you know, sometimes non-believers, they're kind of taken aback when I agree with them. I want you to have nothing to do with tricking believers nightly. I want you to have nothing to do with the child molester pastors. They call themselves pastors, but the Bible calls them wolves. And the non-believers are like, what? You're trying to tell me about Christianity and you're telling me you, you that you agree with me that I want nothing to do with TBN. You, I want nothing to do with the child molesters. You, I want nothing to do. And you're agreeing with me? Yes. You know why? Because what that person has been exposed to, what these people, these non-believers, what they've been exposed to is not Christianity at all. They've been exposed to the Sudadelphos. You see? The fake Jesus. The fake gospel. The fake spirit. It's another spirit, all right. And that's what Jesus warns us about. Remember the disciples, Jesus, what's the sign of your coming and the sign of the end? He's Jesus is the one. He says there will be multiple Christs. There will be many Christs. Many false prophets, many false teachers, and many Christs. Picture that. Picture that. Many Christs. So you have a lineup of a thousand Christs. They all look the same. They all look the same. They all dress the same. A thousand. And with 999, it is idolatry. With 999, it is wickedness. With 999, there is no promised land. Only with one there is. Number one, who is the one that will be able to identify that Christ. Number two, the Bible is explicitly clear. His word is above his name. Any Christ that goes against the word of God is an imposter. Any teacher that goes against the word of God is an imposter. Any pastor, any elder that goes against the word of God is an imposter. You must not follow. You see? When the formula is off, there are no victories. And you know, Satan knows this. And so what does he do when when somebody when 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 somebody says, you know what, I want nothing to do with Christianity? You know what? Satan laughs. Satan laughs. Because you have a person that refuses Jesus. You see? And Satan laughs. Christians who have no victory. 
Sometimes you see Christians, they're, they're not at 0%, you know, following that same example we gave earlier about, you know, we come to Christ with 0%. Christians who are at 0%, 5%, 10%, 10% max. And they've been at 10% for 15 years, 20 years. They've been at 15%. They had arrested development where they don't grow to 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 80, 90, 98%. They don't grow. They don't mature. They don't become deadly. And Satan knows all about formula. And with arrested development, he uses the 5%ers and the 10%ers as examples. You see, the 5%. You have the lukewarm. And he makes an example out of saints. To non-believers, it's like, well, wait a second. You know, a non-believer who says, listen, I could be in the world. And, you know, I go in the church. And there is no difference. So why would I want Christianity? Why would I want holiness when I go to the church today and, you know, they got a new pastor because the past pastor, he was just doing his sex. You know, the past pastor had to step down because he was doing his drugs. The the the, the pastor, you know, I, I come to church. I'm, a, uh, you know, what well, you're telling me you want me to go to church to learn about holiness, to learn about righteousness, to be righteous. When I go to church and I have eyes, I can see that. Wow, this guy's not holy. This guy's, you know, having sex like crazy. This other, this pastor, this youth pastor is a molester. This other youth pastor, he's doing the drugs. You know, he's the he's the dealer. And you want me to go to church and be holy? You want me to go to church and learn holiness? You see? Satan knows all about formula and he uses the 5%ers, the 10%ers as examples. Because the 5%ers and the 10%ers, they're led by the defunct. You see? They're led by the defunct and or the wolf, which present themselves as ministers of righteousness, but really they're servants of Satan. You see? Can you see? When you understand formula, when you understand formula, you know all about obedience unto the Lord, living in a manner that honors the Lord because we want the formula right inside of us. It's like, okay, so now where do we go to church? Well, you know all about formula, what to look for in the pastor. Because we just got done with our pastoral epistles that the Lord leaked because he wants us to know that this form is. He wants us to know who's qualified and who's disqualified. You see? The very formula, the ingredients within oneself, within you, within me. If that formula is wrong, it doesn't remove God's promises. God's promises are there. Remember, his works are done. His promises are there. The question is, are those promises effectuated in me? Are those promises effectuated in you? You see? Don't forget, I mean, I don't want to terrify anybody. I don't want to terrify anybody at all. There are people who will stand before the Lord and say, Lord, we did all these things in your name. And he's going to respond and say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. Worker of iniquity. Instead of worker of righteousness. Remember, we're not saved by works. We're saved for works. Instead of working righteousness, a person chooses to work wickedness. What is working wickedness? It's the works of the flesh. 
sowing seeds unto the flesh, walking according to the flesh. Remember, when we get to 100%, we're going to be dead. And there might be times when you're at 5%, 10%, 30%, 40%, 50%, 80%. And then because of a, a bad choice, instead of at 80%, you're knocked down to 70%. Well, it's like, okay, I made a bad choice. I'm at 70%. So now I'm going to like give up, do my crack, do my sex, do my drugs, do the Ouija boards. And then all of a sudden you're back to 5%. This is like hardness of hearts. No, it's like you're at 80%. You get dinged down to 70%. Okay, Lord, forgive me. I repent. Then, okay, 75%, 85%, 85%. Moving on to perfection. Just like with David. David was, you know, like, you know, very high percentage and then a fall. And then repentance. Moving on to perfection. But in moving on to perfection, he still reaped what he had sown. A lot of Christians, oh, but I have victory, I have victory. Okay, but I'm not talking about victory at 5% and 5% only. I'm talking about victory at many, many intervals along our journey. Victory at 5%, victory at 10%, victory at 20%, victory at 40%, victory at you know, 80%, victory at 90%. I'm talking about manifold victories. Victory upon victory upon victory upon victory. I mean, here in verse 10, just compare the first generation and the second generation. I mean, in verse 10, one man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. And you compare the first generation and the second generation. You know, God says, I am with you, fight. He said that to both generations. Which generation died? You see? And then the second generation. Victory. But does it stay that way? The answer is no. Idolatry enters the camp. Harlotry enters the camp. And I can't emphasize this enough. Observe Israel according to the flesh, according to the flesh, according to the flesh. You see the ups and downs, you know, of Israel. And we're going to see it. We've already seen it. We're going to see it more and much more. The ups and downs of Israel. You're going to see Israel in its peaks and Israel in its valleys. You're going to see the ups and the downs. And you know what it all hinges on? Obedience. Everything. Obedience. You see? When the formula is bad, don't expect victory. It's just the opposite. Expect defeat when the formula is bad. I mean, we see it today. You see people where, oh, God, God called me to minister to prostitutes. Surely the Lord wants prostitutes to become Christians. And yes, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all come to Jesus, all come to salvation in Jesus. Absolutely true. Oh, God called me to minister to prostitutes. A month later, the guy's a customer. Don't forget Satan's a fisherman too. Instead of a person winning prostitutes to Christ, the prostitutes win the person to wickedness. You see? Yeah, a month later, the guy's a customer. What happened? 
What happened? Well, one of two things happened. One of two things happened. One thing that might have happened is the formula in him changed. That's one thing that's a very real possibility. But the second thing is the formula was always wrong. And it was Satan who presented himself as an angel of light. Where, you know, a person says, God called me to minister to prostitutes. And he thinks it's God when it was never God. It was Satan who presented himself as an angel of light. And you know what? It was a trap. The whole time it was a trap. You see? Both are bad. But remember, babies aren't a threat. Babies aren't a threat. You remember when we were going through our, our epistles, our studies through the epistles, especially we mentioned this a lot in our studies in the Corinthian letters, how it's rather odd to hear me say, you know, like, you know, if, if I were to tell you, if I were to tell you, hey, you're going you're gonna, to uh, 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 be in a cage fight in six months. You're going to be in a cage fight in six months. And I were to tell you, you you were like kind of like shocked, like okay, what, what are you talking about a cage fight in, in in six months? Okay, so who who who's the opponent? And I point to a little two year old, you know, that's who you got to fight, the little two year old. Now it sounds carnal. I don't mean to sound carnal in explaining this, but just to 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 to, to make a point here, if I were to tell you, hey, six months from now you're scheduled for a cage fight, you know, three rounds only, cage fight. Uh, 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 three three rounds, five minutes. You say, okay, who's my opponent? Okay, little two-year-old. Can barely walk. He trips up over himself. You think you're going to prepare for that? No. Because it's not a threat. And I'm not trying to, you know, like, hey, let's beat up two-year-olds. No, I'm just painting a picture here. You think that two-year-old presents a threat? No way. You see, the same thing applies to baby Christians. You think baby Christians are a threat to Satan? Now, Satan capitalizes on their error. I mean, let's let's go to Corinth. Let's say, for example, we're going to evangelize in Corinth. You and me, we get in our time machine. And you and me, we're going to evangelize in Corinth. Before 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Where, remember, Paul says the works of the flesh, be, there, there's, the, there's a guy who's having sex with his dad's wife. And, you know, that's just, that's just one example. There's more sexual sin. Uh, you know, extortion, alcoholism, revilers, you know. And so that's inside the church. We're, we go back in time, but we're before 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And you and me, we're going to go evangelize in Corinth. So we meet a guy. We meet a guy and we say, you know, hi, how you doing? And then we give the good news. And once he realizes, like, oh my, you know, these guys are Christians. They're trying to tell me about Jesus Christ and the goodness of Jesus Christ. And then he says, why would I want to be a Christian? Why would I want to be a Christian when I look inside the church? I look inside the church and I can see with my own eyes the extortion. I can see with my own eyes the reviling. I can see the drunkenness. I can see the sexual activity. I can see the guy who's having sex with his dad's wife. 
and you think I want to be a Christian? You see? Babies aren't a threat to Satan. Me personally, I don't think Satan minds Christ, uh, baby Christians. You know why? Because he can capitalize on them. Just like the example we gave when you and me were to evangelize in Corinth, where somebody says, what would I want to do with Christianity when I can see there's all this sex going on like crazy? Why would I want to be a Christian? Why would I want, why would I want to come to Christ if that's the handiwork of Christ? You see? Babies aren't a threat. The problem today is that babies are staying babies. You know why? Defunct pastors. I mean, sometimes it's because of, you know, the baby's own decision. But how can the baby make a decision when they don't even know? Why is it that they don't know? Where is the pastor? Where is the shepherd? You see? And meanwhile, the pastors and the shepherds, they say, well, you know, God God called me to be a pastor. God called me to be a, 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 a shepherd. Well, if the biblical God, if the biblical Jesus called you to be a pastor, then you would pastor. We would see the fruit of it. And I'm not talking about numbers, like, you know, the population inside the church. I'm talking about a standard of righteousness that aligns with the word of God. You see, if there's a hundred people in the church, praise be to the Lord. If there's a thousand people in the church, praise be to the Lord. If there's five people, if there's one person in the church, praise be to the Lord. You know why? Because balls in their court. You see, balls in their court. They have a choice to make. Just like with Jeremiah. Jeremiah was faithful. He was alone, but he was faithful. Balls in their court. You see? What about Paul? Paul in 1 Corinthians, you know? He didn't change his standard. He honored the Lord. Paul was in Corinthian, the Corinthian court. The remnant, they repented and aligned with Paul. Paul as a vessel of the Lord, when Paul says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, they align themselves to Christ. Paul is a pattern. Remember? You see how beautiful it is what the Lord has done? Now Paul, when his standard is obedience unto the Lord, his standard unto himself, the standard that he applies to himself, he can't force anybody to do anything. Ball's in their court, though. You see, Alexander Jimenez? Hey, you know, don't listen to Paul. He's crazy. The saints in Asia? Oh, yeah, we're going to turn our back on Paul. He's old news. More, the closer Paul got to the Lord, the less liked he was. You see? Paul says to the Galatians, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? See, when we understand formula, we learn about the effectuation of promises. And sometimes, I mean, there, there can be, I fully understand, it, there can be a frightening aspect of that. 
but it doesn't have to be. Remember, Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I mean, when you think of a child being obedient to his mom and dad, a child being obedient to her mom and dad, you know, the the, the parent isn't going to say, you know, like to a two-year-old, you know, um, I, I want you to, um, you know, um, um, clean the gutters. You know, I, you know, hey, baby girl, I want you to clean the gutters. No, because baby girl's going to fall, get an accident, and, you know, she might, you know, break an arm, break a leg, and, you know... She might fall and might be even more devastating. What if you got like a five-story house? What if you're, you know, you're living on a high-rise and you say, hey, baby girl, I want you to, you know, clean, clean the gutters. Baby girl can die. Baby girl can get hurt. No, the Lord, you know, the Lord has, you know, the, the task that a person does in kindergarten compared to the task that a person does in, you know, uh, uh, in graduate school, it's different. And the Lord knows. Notice what old man Joshua says here to Israel in verse 11. Therefore, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Now notice, this is the law. This is the law. Now what is given is the law of Moses. The law of God given unto Moses, but they refer to it as the laws of Moses. It's just something we looked at in, you know, uh, in, uh, 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 in verse 6, you know, you keep and do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses. So it's the law of God, but as given to Moses. That's why, you know, the Pharisees, oh, we're hardcore. We follow Moses. And Jesus, he says, how can that be when Moses wrote about me? And in the law, in the law, this is something that Joshua, remember, Joshua is giving these exhortations from experience. And he says in verse 11, take careful heed to yourselves that you love the Lord your God. And we see this exhortation. Old man Joshua is saying, love the Lord your God. How does a person learn to love the Lord? Remember, it starts with the fear of the Lord. Just like the doorways, the passageways. In the law is learned the fear of the Lord and then trust in the Lord and then love for the Lord. You see? And then faith. Not everybody reached faith. Not everybody reached faith. Moses did. You see? In verse 11, that you love the Lord your God, or else, if indeed you go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these nations that remain among you, other peoples with their gods. You see, in this land that was inherited, there were other peoples, and they have their other gods, and some were driven out, but were 100% driven out? No. You see? And this is old man Joshua giving this exhortation. Don't forget, exhortation is not without warning. And he says in verse 12, Or else if indeed you do go back and cling to the remnant of these nations, these that remain remain among you, other peoples with other gods, and make marriages with them, and go into them, and they to you. In verse 13, Know for certain. 
that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. Very interesting. No for certain, we see in verse 13, no for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. Notice in verse 5, in verse 5, God promises to drive them out. And in verse 13, God will no longer drive these nations out. You see, you have a promise. But then you all, in verse 5, you have a promise. God promises, I will drive them out. In verse 13, God won't drive them out. Did God change his mind? No. There are conditions. You know, like, you know, just like if if you're in programming, you know, or coding, you know, if this, then that, if that, then this, you know. You know, sometimes, you know, when I have these conversations with like coders, you know, they, they get it. It's like a piece of cake. They're like, oh, yeah, if this, then that. If that, then this. I mean, that's very basic. I mean, you know, when you get into like coding, there's like, you know, rules upon rules and rules upon rules and, you know, coding and lines of coding and multiple, multiple lines of coding. But they get it. It's so basic. God is reactionary. He responds to wickedness. If wickedness, then, you know, God responds. You know, if this, then that. If wickedness, then God responds. If righteousness, then God responds. You see, if repentance, then God responds. You see, in verse five, God promises, I will drive them out. But don't forget, it is also written. It is also written. Sometimes the it is also written. Sometimes they have multiple layers. I'm going to tell you something that might hurt a little. And I love you. But if you're accustomed to hearing from what you consider to be the Lord, And as you grow and as you mature, you discover that what you consider to be the Lord is really Satan. You must repent. You must repent. Oh, but the Lord spoke to my heart. The Lord spoke to my heart. Sometimes baby Christians, oh, the Lord spoke to my heart. The Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me. He wants me to do this. He wants me to go here. He wants me to go there. He wants me to say this. He wants me to do that. The Lord just spoke to my heart. Or my favorite. Why wouldn't God want this for me? Why wouldn't God want, you know, 99.925% of the time. It's carnally driven. When someone says, why wouldn't God want this for me? 99.925% of the time, it is carnally driven. Or people say, oh, the Lord spoke to my heart. Baby Christians. Once a baby Christian realizes the error of their ways and no longer is a baby, but moves on to perfection. Sometimes, and I've had these conversations with Christians, and they say to me, you know what? What I I thought the Lord was, it wasn't the Lord. And they realize it was Satan. You see? Satan is crafty. I mean, a hundred years ago, we could have a conversation. We could have a study about spiritual warfare. 
And, you know, there are certain things that would be, be very, very applicable. But today, today, Satan knows his time is short. He's amping up his efforts. Saints must amp up likewise. You see? Your fight, our fight, it's according to the Spirit. It is not according to the flesh. It is according to the Spirit. So in verse 13, we see Joshua, old man Joshua, he's saying, know that for certain, know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from before you. You see? What happened? Verse 5 says that God promises to drive them out. But in verse 13, God says, Joshua said, you know, the Lord says, but using his vessel, Joshua, that God's not going to drive these nations out. So what happened? Formula. The formula of the people. What's going on in their hearts? What's going on in their minds? What the Lord can see. Humans, you and me, we can't see the mind. We can't see the heart. We can see the fruit. But the Lord can see the heart. It's not just that the Lord will no longer drive out these nations from before you, he says in verse 13, but they shall be they shall be snares and traps to you. You see, the very people that were going to be cast out or that, that were cast out, being cast out, or going to be cast out, all of a sudden, they're not cast out. They're snares and traps. Did God change his mind? No. The people change their hearts. Wrong formula. You see? In verse 13, they shall be snares and traps to you and scourges on your side and thorns in your eyes until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. That's heavy. That's hardcore. I mean, you remember like verse 10? Or yeah, verse 10, you know, one man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. That's a beautiful verse. It's like, wow, you know, one man shall chase a thousand. The Lord your God is he who fights for you as he promised you. Wow, praise the Lord. I love that. But then you look at verse 13. Know for certain that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations from, from before you. I mean... You take magnet verses, everybody, or poster verses. Everybody would want a poster of, you know, verse 10. Oh, yeah, look, the, the Lord promises that he'll fight for me. But who will make a poster of verse 13? That the Lord will no longer drive out these nations from before you. You see? And I don't mean any disrespect to the word of God by saying, you know, a poster verse. And I only say poster verse because a lot of people treat verses like posters. You know what's better? What's better is for you and me. To take every jot, every tittle of the word of God and make the pages white. Every jot, every tittle from those pages into our hearts, into our mind. So that yes, we can see the promises of the Lord, but we can also see when the formula is not right, we can see how the Lord responds. You see? I wonder how many people in the audience that Joshua is speaking to, the children of Israel, I wonder who is it that had eyes to see and ears to hear? You see? 
because we're going to see in a very short time it doesn't go so well for Israel. Not all. There is a remnant. But it doesn't go so well. And it's going to break your heart. It's going to kill you. It does for me. It's going to hurt. We stress formula for a reason. And all of a sudden, you know, we you see here in verse 13, you know, that the, the effectuation, effectuation of promise where the Lord, you know, in verse 10, you know, as he promised you. But then all of a sudden, verse 13, that the Lord will no longer drive out these nations. We, we, we see the effectuation of promise nullified. Nullified. Just like our Hebrew study. God's works are done. Understand. You see? In the case of Joshua here in our study, okay, Israel, you're up. What are the works? You see? We understand the covenants and the times. We, we've gone through our study in the, in, 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 through the epistles and the pastoral epistles. There are still works within both covenants. You know, the works are done. God's works are done. Now remember the soccer field? The soccer field already constructed. The sidewalk already constructed. The question is, who's going to walk on the narrow path where the old ways are? You see? In the case of Corinth, I mean, look at Corinth. Corinth, you're up, you know? God's works are done. Israel, you're up. God's works are done. Corinth, you're up. What's that? There's sex. The guy's having sex with his dad's wife. There's the extortion. There's the alcoholism. There's the reviling. Remember, God is reactionary. God is reactionary. Vessel Chloe wrote to Vessel Paul, those in Chloe's household. They write to Vessel Paul, and Paul cleans house. It's the Lord that cleans house, but he uses Vessel Paul. He uses Vessel Chloe. And so Paul, as a vessel of the Lord, says, Okay, if the remnant separate from the leaven... You see? Separate from the leaven. A little leaven leavens the bunch. Now, where the leaven has repented, okay, remnant, welcome them back. They are no longer leaven. You see, it's the same today. Just as we say, Israel, you're up. We say, Corinth, you're up. Galatia, you're up. What about the saints today? We're up. Remember, we're not saved by works. We come to Jesus with 0%. But we are saved for good works and not of God. Does a person come to Jesus at 0% and stay at 0%? No. I say no, but you know, balls in your court. We come to Jesus at 0%. From there, we climb. 5%, 10%, 20%, 40%, 80%, 90%. 100%, you'll be dead. But we can get to 99.999%. And that's what we do. We move on to perfection. You see? As it is written in Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter 2, we are his workmanship. You see? It's the work of the Lord inside of you, inside of me. We are his workmanship. So we come to Jesus at 0%, 0% righteous. Why? Because no one is righteous. All have fought, fallen short of the glory of God. So we come to Jesus at 0%. 
And when you and me yield to Jesus, what does he do inside of us? He starts to clean house. You see, we are his workmanship. And because of his work, 5%, we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You see, we are His workmanship. This means that God does the work inside of us, inside of you, inside of me. What do you and I do? What are we to do? Yield to Him. Yield to Him. You see? And we see in verse 14, Behold this day, this day I'm going the way of all the earth. And Joshua, he's acknowledging, he's at the end of the road. Remember the end of the road for Moses? Remember that in our study? And they, I had a hard time with that. It was difficult because I, I love Moses. I love Joshua. These are difficult passages. But at the same time, understand this exhortation that Joshua is giving, that Moses has given, and that Joshua is given, giving. It's so beautiful because you see that the, you know, they understand that the next generation of righteousness, they need to know this. Parents. The next generation, your children, they have to know the ways of the Lord. Pastors, the next generation of righteousness, they have to know the ways of the Lord. He's at the end of the road, Joshua, and in this life. But he's still exhorting. He's an old man, but he's still exhorting. And I love that. Young, old, male, female, I don't care. Serve the Lord. Honor the Lord. In verse 14, and you know in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing has failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spoke concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one word of them has failed. It's the same today. God's word never fails. His word never fails. The word became flesh. And Jesus, he's faithful. He's faithful. Therefore, it shall come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. What happened? What happened? How how come in verse 15, it seems as, as, as though Joshua is switching gears? I mean, he says, therefore, it shall come to pass that as all the good things have come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so the Lord will bring upon you all harmful things until he has destroyed you from this good land, which the Lord your God has given you. Oh, Joshua is so mean. Oh, Joshua is so mean. Look, if God is for us, you know, who can be against us? God is for us. Joshua isn't loving. Joshua is crazy. Joshua lost his mind. No, Joshua is laying out the blueprints. He's laying out the blueprints and the conditions. You see? Oh, but God's love is unconditional. Yes, it's unconditional. But His mercy, that's conditional. 
as he says. To those who love me and obey me. You see? It's just a repeat of what Moses says. You see? Why? Same Lord, same Spirit. A repeat of what Isaiah says. Jeremiah, Amos. When the prophets of the Lord, remember the Lord is silent to the priests, but he's not silent to the prophets. And he tells the prophets, tell the people to repent. Tell the people to repent and return to me. And what do the prophets do? They're obedient as servants in the master's house. Thus saith the Lord, return to me. Thus saith the Lord, return to me. Thus saith the Lord, repent and return to me. You see? Peter, repent. Paul, repent. Philip, repent. Priscilla, repent. Lydia, repent. Vessels of the Lord, servants in the same house. Servants, same master, same spirit, same Lord. And the conditions, the blueprints that Joshua is laying out here in verse 16. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God. You see? I mean, where there's transgression, don't expect good things. Don't expect blessings. Where you see transgression, where you see sin, don't expect good things. I mean, what parent rewards disobedience? I'll, I'll put it another way. What good parent rewards disobedience? No, you don't see it. Not with the good parents. There's rewards for obedience. You say, wait a second, that sounds like you're talking about works-based salvation. No, 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 no. I'm not talking about works-based, you know, salvation. Remember, we come to Jesus Christ at 0%, but we're not to stay at 0%. We're not to stay at 5%. We're not to stay at 10%. We're not to stay at 20%. We reach 5%. Now we continue to move on to perfection. We reach 10%, we move on to perfection. 20%, move on to perfection. 90%, move on to perfection. 99.9%, okay, you know, you're, you're, you're being poured out as a drink offering. I mean, that probably happens around like toward 80%, you know? <laughs> That's what's so beautiful about studying the Old Testament. As New Covenant believers... Not being seduced into the law, but understanding that the law points to Jesus and abiding in Jesus, understanding that the work is so beautiful, what the Lord has done. You see, Joshua is just simply laying out the blueprints. When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed down to them, then... Remember, like, you know, if this, then that, you know, if that applies, if you transgress the covenant of the Lord, now we get the, the verse 16, then the anger of the Lord will burn against you. What can, what can be expected? Remember Deuteronomy 28? The Lord laid it out. He says how he will respond to both obedience and disobedience. 
people need to make a choice. Ball's in their court. Same with you and me. The Lord lays it out, okay? The Word of God says this. Ball's in our court. You have a choice to make. I have a choice to make. And sometimes we choose wrongly. And that's what's so beautiful about repentance. We walk according to the flesh. Okay, repent. Lord, forgive me. I repent. Now it's not, you know, walk according to the flesh and, you know, like, you know, say, Lord, forgive me. And then we keep walking according to the flesh. No, you walk and make a decision according to the flesh. You reap what you sow. Lord, you learn the error of your ways. Lord, I disobeyed you. I should have obeyed you. Now you learn to obey. So the next time you're at the fork in the road, you can reflect back. Remember the, 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 the rear view mirror? It's not the windshield, but there's a mirror nonetheless. You look in the rear and you remember. The last time I was at this fork in the road, I made a terrible decision and I reaped what I sowed and I repented and I've learned how to walk according to the spirit. So instead of walking according to the flesh like I did before, now I'm going to walk according to the spirit and I'm going to make a choice that honors the Lord because I want to be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. That's what we say in our hearts and our minds because you want to be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. I mean, I can't speak for you, but I want you to be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. And when you have that desire and passion in your heart, I want to be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. Therefore, I'm not going to do the sex. I'm not going to do the drugs. I'm not going to do the Ouija boards. I'm not going to do the yoga. I'm not going to do the hot yoga. I'm not going to do the chakras and the crystals. Because you want to be a sweet aroma unto the Lord. You might make mistakes and you know walk according to the flesh, but you learn the error of your ways. You repent. And when the next fork in the road, you said, look, I learned the error of my ways. And now I'm going to, instead of going left, I'm going to go right. You learn to make choices that honor the Lord. Remember Jesus who learned obedience? What we just studied in Hebrews. Learned obedience. Obedience is a learned thing. You see? And it's beautiful. It's nothing to be afraid of. I mean, we fear the Lord, but it's nothing to be afraid. Remember, it's, it's Jesus. It's Jesus who says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The problem happens with the defunct pastors. They want to be everybody's friend. They want to be everybody's friend. They want to be, you know, you, you see like parents, how they want to be their kids' friends. How do the kids turn out? How do the kids turn out? No, parents need to parent. Parents, noun, need to parent, verb. It's the same with pastors. Pastors, noun, need to pastors, verb, need, need to pastor, verb. You see, it's same. The ways of righteousness. Look at Lois and Lois and Eunice pouring into male Timothy, having authority over male Timothy. But there reaches a cap. You see, now under the covering of Paul, now you see Timothy become deadly. Remember our, our studies in the pastoral epistles? And not just there, I mean, if you've been walking with us for a while, you remember when we, when we touched on Timothy in our study in the book of Acts. You see? What can be expected if there's disobedience? What can be expected if there's transgression? Defunct pastors don't like to teach that. And they want to be everybody's friend. And what do we see? Just like we see in Corinth. 
You see Christians, they're not at 0%. They're at 5% or 10%, 10, 15% max. But they cap at 15%. They don't move on to 20%, 30%, 50%, 80%. They don't move on to perfection. You see? Oh, we're not saved by works. I'm not, I'm not talking about coming to Christ at 0%. We've moved on from, you know, the elementary things. I'm talking about becoming mature. Becoming deadly. You see? And Joshua's just laying it out. Remember, by experience, the things that he has seen, when Israel was defiled, he wasn't. When Israel was instilled, instilled with fear of, not the Lord, of the Canaanites, Joshua wasn't. You see? He has seen the effect of, you know, his walk and then the walk that wasn't right before the Lord. He's seen it. He's an old man. He's been around the block so to speak he's seen it and he's just laying it out for this generation and they probably have kids in 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 the, in the crowd as well and they need to hear it and he's just laying it out look at you, verse 16 when you have transgressed the covenant of the lord your god and you get to the end of verse 16 then the anger of the lord will burn against you you see and you shall perish quickly from the good land which he has given you. Remember, God is reactionary. And Joshua is simply reminding Israel what God will do in a scenario where God becomes forgotten. Sadly, it happens. In very short order, it happens. Old man Joshua, he dies. The old elders, they die. And God very quickly becomes forgotten. You say, well, that's Israel. That's just Israel. No, 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 no. God never changes. What happens in a nation? Remember, it's righteousness that exalts a nation. And what happens to a nation that abandons the Lord? Now, I teach from America. We're seeing it happen in, in live time, in real time. We're seeing it happen. A nation that has forgotten the Lord. A nation that has abandoned the Lord. And the Lord is simply doing exactly what he said he would do. Judgment. See? The Bible says perilous times for a reason. We are a last day's generation. And yet, there is a remnant. As in the case of Israel, there is a remnant. As in the case of the church, there is a remnant. As in the case of today, there is a remnant. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days, God bless you. I love you.